You are welcome to the Nigerian Filmmaker, a podcast about Nigerian filmmakers, their films, and how we can build a diverse and functional industry. I'm your host, Selegot. On this episode, my guest is Oge Obasi. She has produced four features and a short, which include O-Town, Ojuju, Juju Stories, Mami Wata, which has screened across the world. In this second half, we talk about the long journey to making Mami Wata, tips for producers, and the need for more collaboration within the industry. If you're a new listener, you're welcome and I hope you enjoy. Okay, so now let's talk about Mami Wata. Um, let's start at the beginning. It was developed, it went to the um, Oaga Film Lab. Um, mm-hmm. You guys also did an Indiegogo fundraiser, yeah? Mm-hmm, yes. Um, you also went to Durban Film Art with it. Mm-hmm. You also went to Venice for the um, production bridge, yeah? Yes. Okay, so the project actually started in 2016. Yeah. Um, me and CJ went on a bus coming to Lagos and he just wrote a log line on his phone and showed me. And then I read it and gave him thumbs up. And that was pretty much <laughs> how he started writing. And so um, from 2016, uh, we started looking for collaborators and investors or whatever. Uh, during workout 2016, 2017. Uh, so our first, by then we had written like 10 drafts of that film. We had written like 10 drafts. Yeah. And he wasn't happy with it. Like, this is not the film. Yes, the elements, the, the log line still works, but this is not the film yet. And we just kept applying to all of these labs and all. And so we got into Wagga. And they, they really, really loved the concept of the film. That was the first time we were, we were having an audience that was not saying no. In Nigeria, mm. we had gotten a lot of no on everything. Yeah. No on the title, no on the spiritual angle of it, no on the black and white, no on the whole thing. I people just do something normal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but when we got to Waga, we... we met a different energy. I was like, we are saying thank you. You know, somebody's telling you thank you for making for thinking of making this film. It was a new experience for me. Yeah. He kept saying thank you. African is this film. West African is this film. Uh, the culture needs the film and all of that. And while we were there, um, we met a lot of important people who had read about the film. I remembered what they read. Um, and you must understand this this was very huge for me because like I said, we came from a whole lot of no, 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 no. Yeah. So it was a waga that we now won. Um, CJ won the scholarship for Less is More, which is a writing lab. Yeah. And I won for Iabe, which is a producer's workshop. Yeah. So we both went for the lab and the workshop um, 2019. Oh. Yeah, 2019. So it held in the writing workshop held in three different European countries, and so did the producers' workshop. And we we I mean the writing went through its own process, and I went through meeting with uh, different people for funding, for um, distribution, and all of that. 
And I also realized that, interestingly, the world that we had built for the film, the kind of world, the story, um, the setting, yeah. is very strange for them. Very, very strange for them. Because it turns out that they see a lot of African poverty porn that they could not imagine what I was saying. Uh. So at some point, we even had to do like a three-minute video clip, like just trying to capture the spirit, the tone of the film and all of that. Yeah. And um, But it was such a huge first time that they were afraid to get behind it. And each time they would ask, how much money are you getting from your country? And I said, I haven't gotten any money from my country. And there's no immediate prospects of such. And they'd be skeptical. Like, if your country cannot be excited enough about what you're telling me, yeah. for, any, for them to put money, then why would me, a European, come and put my country's money, you know? So it was challenging for me. I remember the third workshop for the ERV, there was a man who came, he works in one of the biggest funds in Europe. And he, he came to tell me that I should look for money to make this film because I'm not going to get it. But I might get post-production money. And the yeah. fact is because politically, my story does not align with what they have been given the green light to go for. Uh, so you see that there are more angles to the angle. <laughs> yeah. So a, a glorious Africa is not is not exciting for them. Uh, but when you made the film, the art can be exciting for them, and then you would have made it because now they don't believe that a Nigerian can make a successful black and white film. Like you can make it and it comes out to be looking good. That's yeah. a big problem already. And then before you now go into the story. So that he just wants me to stop applying for funds. I'm going to make the film. <laughs> so this was 2019. got into 2020. Uh, COVID came. Yeah. So initially, we were planning to shoot the film in Gambia. Please don't ask me why now. <laughs> but we were planning to shoot the film in Gambia. So by the time COVID came, travel had become so expensive that even if I had gotten the budget I, I wanted, it would have really stretched the budget. Yeah. So we decided to go to Ghana. Ghana is super expensive to shoot in by default. For some reason, they charge you everything in dollars. Oh. Uh, and good dollars, so it's not small, small dollars. So by the time you convert to Naira, you're like, so we left. Uh, meanwhile, we're looking for our lead actress. We, we, we were looking for our lead actress and our DP. So we had found our DP, but hadn't found our lead actress. Yeah. So uh, I, I think that was something the lockdown uh, helped with because we now didn't have anything else to do but to focus on that. And so we found our DP, we found our lead actress, and she's from Cote d'Ivoire. She doesn't speak a word of English, and the film is in Pidgin English. Yeah. So she had to start learning to speak English. The script was written in both English and Pidgin for the dialogue. Yeah. So she had to learn to speak in English in order to be able to speak Pidgin English. Uh, and then the DP and the director were able to do their prep work and everything. And by then, we had also realized we couldn't shoot in Nigeria. Everywhere that had water that we could go to didn't look nice on camera. It looked yeah. dirty. So 
somehow, somehow, Benin Republic came up and we explored and explored and it looked like the perfect place. Yeah. So we just packed up and moved to Benin Republic. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, it was right here. We now shot the film in January 2021, finally. Yeah. And now it's in post-production in France. Yeah. And then we've won two post-production grants since then. Yeah. Can you talk more about the post-production grant? Like, what did they hope to see from your project before you're, like, seriously considered to get the grants? Well, when you apply, they, they have, uh, I mean, the requirements are there, and then you send um, maybe a rough screener, depending on what they request for, a rough screener or your final quotes. Yeah. Your fa- your final cut of the film. The final cut doesn't doesn't have to have music, color grid and all that, but such that they can see the story from beginning to the end. Yeah. And uh, so every other thing they do is eternal. Usually they tell you they are looking for films from XYZ country. Uh, they, they, usually what they want is that there are grants that say they want films from female directors or films about certain subjects, or just documentaries and all. So every other thing is, is an internal decision, and yeah. I just wait to hear back from them. Okay. In Venice, we didn't win any yeah. grants. Okay. Yeah, so for our people that are trying to see what what's happening out there, I think First Parkway is a very, 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 very good, good start. One is in West Africa. You can travel easily because... Um, you don't need a special kind of visa. Mm. Then, secondly, is Africa. <laughs> you can eat the food. You can. You won't starve. But I mean, it's something you can. You can even do a road trip if you if you want. Yeah. Just plan it. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about the Indiegogo. Like, um, how did that one go? Uh, made one thousand dollars. <laughs> yeah. So safe to stay. Didn't go anywhere. Yeah, and um, you also got the um, soft fund from Norway. Oh, no, we're shortlisted for soft fund. So we made it to the very, very last uh, list. Yeah. And then we didn't get selected from that. Okay. So what the award did was instead of being part of the thousands that submit and get um, selected into the next or removed into the next uh, stage, uh. we kind of uh, were moved up to maybe third to final stage or something. It's like a fast forward, fast tracking thing. Yeah. So we got there, we, went, we got to pitch in Norway, but we now didn't get selected, sadly. Okay. Uh, I mean, thank God, thank God um, you guys have made the film and um, we'll soon see it. Yes. So how was production? How many days did it last time? What were some of the unique things that happened? Production was, it was a nightmare. <laughs> Even by my standard. <laughs> it was terrible. It was so terrible. I didn't know we had a great film until uh, after everybody had left. Yeah. Yeah. Because the energy was great. Everything was perfect until my production and my equipment partner ghosted. Yeah. You know, we had a whole deal, contract signed, lawyers representing, everything, everything. 
Uh. And equipment made for a very huge chunk of the budget, especially because we're shooting high contrast black and white. Uh. So uh, most of us had worked together virtually all through pre-production. In fact, I would say all of us. Yeah. So it was when we got to camp that we were seen for the first time. So we had to go through costumes uh, and all of that hair and all the whole thing. The, the lead actress came in, had to do rehearsals, was dance rehearsals, was reading. And like I said, English was it's, it's because of the film, she had to learn English. So yeah. Had to, there was a lot of work to be done in the in the people, you know, to round up. And then we did that and then now reach out to the equipment partner. Okay, now we're ready to film. We can now send the equipment down. And the guy just went silent till today. And so, you know, everybody was here. I've been trying to put this film together since 2016. Am I just going to send people home? Yeah. And then what happens after that? How do I regroup? What do we do? It's going to affect so many things. So, so many things. And I just couldn't do that. So I tried to get an equipment partner, which of course was just me trying my luck because it was too urgent yeah. to just have somebody having other equipment sitting down and not doing anything. So, and it wasn't like you were going to use things like a Canon camera and all of that. Uh. It was the high-end cameras and high-end lenses and not so many people have such. Yeah. So I tried that a bit. I yes, didn't get great feedback and I just had no choice but to use all the money available to rent equipment. So that meant using people's salaries, logistics money, feeding money, yeah. all that kind of money to rent equipment. So in doing all of this, we lost three weeks out of the six weeks we were meant to shoot yeah. before the equipment finally came. And when it did, I had to be literally plugged to my phone all day, every day, selling anything just to get money because I had to push people, push the production through the day to day. Yeah. And so every time they would go and come back frowning, you know, they weren't, they were working, they were really stressed out from a lot of work. Yeah. They, sometimes even I would be the cause of their delay. Sometimes food would come late, you know, because I was just looking for money on the go and a whole lot of things like that. And so sometimes they come back frowning. I'll be like, hey, this kind of thing that everybody's frowning like this, what will happen? <laughs> and then um, we film through the Voodoo Festival that holds in the Republic. And uh -huh. it was a very dramatic day for us. What happened? Because <laughs> this were just manifesting, man. We even explain some things, you know. Even our guy that was that whose job it was to copy the footage from the hard from the memory card to the different hard drives and the backups also did not, for whatever reasons, put in the backup. So we lost footage and they were not backed up. Oh. In all of these problems we were having. And just different things that night. Uh, actress got hurt. 
people are just losing their temper and not knowing why. Like, I could just be vexing for you for blinking. Why are you blinking? <laughs> <laughs> I will slap you. You look at me. You know that what is coming out of your mouth is not normal, but like, you just don't know what is going on. So, yeah. just a weird day in all. Yeah, but great things also happened, you know, that were unexpected. It was like, it was like a fight generally, like a fight between this film should not happen and this film should happen. Uh-huh. And somehow I did not feel it was Bennett. I didn't want the film to happen. I felt like it was Nigeria that I didn't What was Nigeria's day for this film? Of principality and power. I don't know because all the problems I had majorly came from Nigeria. Because I've been trying to make this film since 2016. Yeah. I came to Benin, November 2020. And January 2021, I shot the film. So who is helping? Who is holding you from making the film? Isn't that Nigeria? Yeah. <laughs> but I really believe they would love the film. Don't mind me. I'm just joking, but you know, it feels like that sometimes. It's just crazy. But yes, we when we now everything was over and we moved back uh, to to the office and then CJ did a quick edit of assembly footage and I just seen things everywhere. I was like, why were you people always frowning? <laughs> <laughs> why are you people always frowning? Like you had me scared, but it was really, really nice. It was really, really beautiful. And yes, we there are some things we didn't get to film. There was the footage we lost. Um, and a lot of weird things that happened during the sets. But there were also a lot of great people that just said, you know, that kind of thing. And then there were those who were just like, ah, eh, I'm stressed, I don't want to go. And then people are like, no, we're here. We must finish this film. It's going to be glorious. Okay. Um, and then Rita Doce came and you know, when she first came, she was like, this far place you people brought me to, I thought we were shooting in town. Uh, we were almost in Togo here, <laughs> you know. And then um, she rested the next morning. She had a sit-down with the director. She saw what we'd been up to, and she was like, what? This is what you people are doing. No, we must finish this film. Yeah. And then she even canceled two productions that... She had already accepted. She said, if you guys can't move your data, I understand. Let me refund your money because I have to see this one through. Uh-huh. And she extended her stay with us. Uh, and she will harass and encourage us. Ah, you people get moving, get moving. Ah, well done, my children. <laughs> uh-huh. You know, and she was just, she was just, you know, having an elderly person that also, you know, helped the energy. Yeah. Things were just you know, going through. And yeah, we did finish it. It took me a while to mentally realize we had finished because, like I said, it was crazy. We filmed three weeks. Uh, yeah, three weeks. And we finished. Okay. Well done. Um, when do you get to see it? Do you have a date for release? Yeah, we will have a world premiere this year, hopefully, in a top five film festival. Okay. And then we we'll go from there. I don't know where your people stand. Your people be your, your distributors in your country. Yeah. <laughs> stand regarding showing a black and white film. Um, I feel like Juju stories will go a long way in helping them make that decision whether to 
give it a shot or not. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. That one I will take as it comes. It will be nice. It will be really sweet and nice to, you know, show it here. But at the same time, uh, there's also the rest of the world. So yeah. the, 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 uh, the, the premiere will set the tone for every other thing. I've had people from different countries reach out for distribution. A lot of them interested in investing, marketing money and all of that. Uh-huh. But I have not... Uh, then we, we didn't even have uh, the edits that we have now. We just had that assembly of footage. Yeah. So I felt a call, so I don't shoot myself in the foot. I mean, if they are offering all of this for an assembly of films, what would they offer by the time the film comes together in its elements, music, visuals, you know, and a proper storyline? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that, that's it. But anyhow, it's going to be seen this year. And uh, this will come out when I know where exactly we're having the work from. All right. Um, so can you can you mention your happiest Nollywood moment? My happiest Nollywood moment? What is a Nollywood moment? Um, something to do with the industry, to do with maybe something that happened to like a Nigerian film or like maybe in your personal career or something. So my happiest Nollywood moment was short-lived. Um, it was when Netflix was going to make a series in 2020 before the COVID came. Yeah, I was really excited because it had it had proper funding. They, they weren't going full out their kind of budget, kind yeah. of budget, but it was a great, great budget for something being made in Nigeria. Uh. So it would have set a kind of standard for everything moving forward. Yeah. Like, this is us managing to see what, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. So I was excited because it meant better pay for everyone, actors, mm. crew, and all the other people in between. It also meant that we could fill here and just do one and then take our time to go better our craft. Then you could afford to go for some training here or go for some training there because yeah. you earn decent money. So I was really excited about that, but it got short-lived uh, and interrupted. And I don't know if we can get that back ever. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. Yeah. So like um, for, for, you know, producers that are looking to up their game, like do you have some resources that you can share? Yeah, first of all, you, you need to know what you're trying to achieve. Uh, where and everywhere you want whatever you want to achieve is valid yeah just don't do it because you think one is greater than the other if you're trying to make documentaries if that's where your interest lies then make documentaries you don't have to make everything if if you if the web platform is where you understand or how you know to manipulate then by all means produce for that place if you're aspiring to another place you've never uh, uh, explored or experienced then try and see what appeals to that space a lot of times people reach out to me and when i ask where do you want to take this film to they always say film festivals but i sure you don't of course watch film festival uh, type materials it's not like there's a specific thing tied to film festivals but they always want something 
they've not seen before. Uh. They, they always want something different. Either it's different in the visuals or the storytelling or something. You know, all stories have been told, so to speak, but there yeah. can always be a new twist and angle. So they're always looking out for that something special. And then when they make the selections, the buyers representing media companies all around the world, they come to the top festivals oh. and they come to see what these guys have selected. So you see that it's tied together. People always say festival films don't make money. But that's so ignorant because if there was money to be made, all the Disney's and Warner Media's and Netflix's, they won't be sending their staff to go scout for things to buy. Yeah. And those ones go to festivals to go and look for. So if you're aiming for a festival, you have to be at the back of your mind that for now, whatever will get to the attention of the festival will probably discourage distributors in Nigeria from you. Because mm. there are, are two extremes for now. I don't know if it's ever you'll find a middle ground at some point, but for now, that's what it is. And the things that will make you an, uh, a more acceptable risk to the Nigerian distributors is the very thing that will make you not even scale to the next stage with the film festivals. So you have to decide where you, where you want to go. Yeah, you can't do both. That's just how it is for now. Um, so if you want to go that way, then there's a whole lot of educating of yourself you need to do. There's a whole lot of know what's up that you you have to do. Hmm. And then when you're looking for directors, please do not look for directors because they are your friends. Look for directors that are artists master storytellers and they're all over the world it doesn't have to only be the one in your state you can yeah. try to work with other people yeah because a lot of people are directors that don't know anything about directing and because mm. we never hold directors to ransom we never hold them responsible they don't they, they don't really try to master their craft so the film is very very bad everybody is abusing the actors. I, I didn't they read the scripts? Why didn't they say no? And then they're abusing the producer. Why would you produce such a film? Yeah. Well, nobody is saying director, you self. Yes, you could. Because you can get a weak script. And you know that this script is weak, but the the approach to the directing can just give you something that makes it much, 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 much bearable, more bearable. You're not even looking at the, the how weak, or just take it as a short movie that is well made. Yeah. So, but nobody ever, even we industry practitioners, when you see comments and or nobody ever says who directed this movie, says. So we need to do more of that because the producer gets all these elements together. The producer does not direct the final thing that you get to see on your screens. It's the directors that do that. So we have to hold them responsible. Yeah. Um, so you as a producer, just know that your director is the person that is going to make your effort either useless or worth it. Uh. And so you have to be very, very circumspect in finding that a disciplined one um, who won't also be too lazy to, to do the work. And in writing, you don't have to write everything. Find writers to yeah. spend the money and get you a writer, you know. And if you don't know, what a good script is then find a more experienced producer in the area where you want to go. Mm. 
Don't go and find one that two of you have the same level of exposure. Yeah. Find one and pitch to the person. May, if you cannot get another producer to find the project exciting enough to come on board, how are you going to make the film happen? So you have to find uh, like minds, you know, and then everybody works together for, for a great output. All this has to happen before you even start talking about the, the shoot. So a lot of thoughts has to go into this stage of uh, conceptualizing, uh. this early stage of knowing what exactly you want to do. So I think producers should not be thinking of shoot, shoot, shoot as the work. That is the least part of the work, I tell you. Because so many people are doing different things. You're not going to do costume. You're not going to do makeup. You're not going to be the lights man. Uh. So at that point, there isn't much for you as producer to do. Your work is in all the things that happened before that point. And all the things that happen after the shoot. So for me, shooting is not producing, it's shooting. Yeah. <laughs> you get so um, yeah, that's it pretty much. You have to also know the business. If producers don't make money, the industry will never make money. Yeah. Because if you cannot dare to reach for for, for great business, then how are you ever going to say, guy, I paid you 200 last time, but this project, you're getting 500, you know. So we can't, we're not going to be 22 forever. Uh-huh. You can't just keep doing this. So, uh, yeah, producers need to have law and they need to work together. Yeah. Um, hiding information does not help anybody. Being unaccessible to each other does not help anybody. Um, and please, people should stop being afraid of collaboration. I hate, I can't, I can't, I can't. Yeah, if you're afraid of everybody, then we're all thieves now. So get a lawyer. Yeah. You know, pay the lawyer. You have to. You have to. And when you don't have money, cash, which I understand, I never have money. I've never, I've never worked with money because I've never had money. Then find a way to broker a deal. Yeah. There are all kinds of ways, you know, to exchange services or exchange whatever it is, but get it, get a lawyer. Uh, approach anybody who you feel would be great for it. All producers don't have to be the ones who will be around on set, be the ones who uh, do the day-to-day. There are producers who their, their investment is their name yeah. to the project. Yes, they don't have to come and, you know, drag everyday decisions and all of that and then have an account and be transparent to your collaborators huh. and everybody will be fine but yeah. we have to do things right here and they should stop sending their scripts via whatsapp uh-huh. <laughs> you know somebody says i have something i want you to look at and they send it to you via whatsapp you know so unprofessional yeah. and what if tomorrow something happens you say someone stole what there is no uh, record keeping if you're sending via WhatsApp. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, I have to. We have to know know to do better than that. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, we've, we've talked a lot about Nollywood, but I'll ask you maybe um, succinctly. And uh, what do you think Nollywood should focus on improving? Like that one priority that you think we should like get sorted um, as soon as possible. We should we, we should respect the art of storytelling. Now we have platforms, we have Netflix, we have Amazon Prime. 
There's no more. If I show it in cinemas, only Nigerians get to see it. It's no more only Nigerians in diaspora buy our DVDs and all that. Now we have worldwide platforms. What are we doing with it? You know. So yeah. nobody's expecting us to do Hollywood level budget productions. But the one that we are doing, it's like we don't even know when people complain about films. I, I see a lot of people complain about criticism. Uh-huh. And you're saying you're you're hating on my film. You have to listen. Uh-huh. Yeah, even your parents scolded you before you matured into understanding. I said everything they scolded you about that they were right about either. Yeah. Right. But you did not hate them. <laughs> you you picked some, and when you matured, you, you realize that some things were also uh, maybe maybe. So that's the way it is. You have to listen. You have to listen to feedback, yeah. and then open-mindedly choose what you're taking and what you are not. So our storytelling is work. We have all the equipment. Digital has made everything easy, easier, you know, in terms of technicals. But we still don't know the art of storytelling. Yeah, and that's why when they say something is wrong, we are not sure what is wrong because individually the frames look interesting to you, but together. As, as a, a story, as one element, have you told a story that anybody anywhere in the world who is not from your place would see and understand what you're talking about? The way we used to watch Indian, we still watch Indian films. Uh-huh. And we, we, we exclaim about the exaggeration and their dancing and everything. But we get the gist of the story. Yeah. And we usually finish watching it, you know, but we don't have that story storytelling elements is a problem. So that's where our writers, DP, and directors come into play. Basically, everybody should be able to use their departments to enhance the story. Yeah. The costumes don't just have to be, oh, he wears shirt and trousers. Okay, what kind, what color, what's the look? Why, who is this person? Where is he coming from? Why does he prefer this? And what does it do for the overall look of the film? They need to know when they are standing behind that monitor, why they are looking at the monitor. It's not just to check whether the shirt was properly ironed. Yeah. It's also to see how it moves into the overall tone. So everybody, and I don't know how we're going to do that, has to become more knowledgeable about the art of storytelling and find a way to hone it. Okay. So how can people keep up with a fiery film and your work yes um our website is let's not even go to website let's just <laughs> stick to social media so um we're on instagram twitter and facebook fire film company uh my handles are at simply oge simply oge on twitter on instagram on facebook all the information from all our works will constantly be out there. Okay. All right. And um, is your producer's workshop making a comeback? Are you planning one soon? <laughs> yes. I had actually thought I'd, I'd do one by February, but uh, with the after effects of uh, the Mami Water shoot and so many things on the ground happening that I can't share yet, uh, I've been very, very busy. But it bothers me. Uh, so I want to do it, and I would really love to do it in Benin Republic, uh, primarily because of the serenity one. Two, because I want people to be together. I don't want to have a virtual network. Yeah. 
because it's very important to be together and begin to unlearn many things that we have been conditioned to um, because of how we, we met the industry. Mm. The only way forward is to collaborate, and I think it will help. And because when you're doing the workshop in somewhere like Lagos, people are stressed out by the time they arrive, and all the while they are there, they are calculating how to get home because of traffic and yeah. all, so many distractions. Yeah. So yes, I would like to have it uh, here so that the the is it like a getaway holiday, but a very very intense uh, learning and networking one. Yeah. But I'm also aware that a lot of people can't afford it. So that leaves me in a bit of a dilemma. The only way is to have some sort of sponsorship. Uh-huh. Yeah, so that would be something that has to be worked on. Uh, but yes, I really like to have one uh, in the next few months before I get uh, very, very tied up again. Okay. All right, thanks, Oge, for coming on the podcast. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks a lot. (laughs) We have come to the end of this episode. Remember to rate and review the podcast. You can also follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Selegal Film and the podcast at the Niger Film Pod to share your feedback. You can now support the podcast by visiting the website to donate. See you on the next episode. Have a good one.